You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. Well, good morning, City Church. My name is Jake Axon. I'm the student's pastor here, and I am excited to be back preaching to you this morning. This morning, we're going to be covering 1 Corinthians 12, and this comes off of a sermon that we heard last week from Pastor Alex on the Lord's Supper where he talked about how the Lord's Supper is both an encouraging thing that God has given his church to partake in and a convicting thing to make us even further aware of our sin and the grace that we've been given in Christ. And this morning, we're gonna be diving into a fun one as 1 Corinthians 12 covers the topic of spiritual gifts. And when I first got assigned this, I kind of thought, City Church is really doing me dirty. Uh, We got the warning for the church was my first sermon that I preached here, and the second one was spiritual gifts. We're just going to send the youth pastor up there to talk about spiritual gifts. But then I saw that Lance preached head coverings on Father's Day, and I knew it could be worse. It could be more difficult than this. Um, But it's going to be great. I'm really excited uh, to open this up for us. We're going to be looking at spiritual gifts, unity, and how we as a church and a body can function cooperatively for our ultimate joy, community, and God's glory. Uh, But before I begin reading, I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning, Lord, and the opportunity that we have to gather and worship you. Lord, I thank you for the gospel and the fact that we could not get to you, Lord, so you came to us. Uh, You sent your son to the earth to die in our place to rise from the grave, to be our lifeline, to be our propitiation, to be our way back to you, Lord, and none of this would be possible if that hadn't happened. So I pray that all distractions would be removed, Lord, and that uh, you would speak through me and anything that I say that isn't from your word, Lord, you'd allow these people to forget it. And if it is from your word, Lord, I pray that it would resonate in their hearts for sanctification, making them more like Christ. And it's in your name we pray, amen. So we're gonna be starting in 1 Corinthians 12, Verse one, and it says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is addressing the Corinthians here, and he says, I don't want you to be unaware. And I think if we're honest, many of us are unaware on what we believe, what we think, and what we know about spiritual gifts. I asked someone in the lobby, I said, what's the first thing you think of when you think of spiritual gifts? And they said, speaking in tongues. And I'm like, okay, a couple churches have made everyone, now the only thing we think about when we hear spiritual gifts is like healing or speaking in tongues or like falling on the ground. And I just wanna be really clear here, like there's so much more in scripture for us that spiritual gifts are for us than just those things. And so I really wanna make sure like at the end of this sermon we can at least say we're no longer unaware. And it's interesting because the Corinthians are people who before they were saved, They were led astray by wooden and stone statues. Those were their gods, gods that cannot talk, cannot listen, and cannot move. And it's safe to say, I think, reading that, that the world does a poor job of preparing us for what it means to follow Jesus. And that following Jesus isn't just living a better life, it's not just being more moral, 
but it is a completely different life. It is a new birth entirely when you begin following Jesus. And Paul knows this. So Paul is gracious to lay this out for them so that they're not unaware. He says, no one speaking by the spirit of God says Jesus is cursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. Which means that any true proclamation that someone makes that is from the Holy Spirit will be founded in the truth that Jesus is Lord. And no one speaking by the Spirit of God will defame or seek to tear down the glory of God. And then Paul says this in verse four. He says, now there are gifts, but the same Spirit. Different gifts, but the same Spirit. Different ministries, but the same Lord. Different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Now, it's important for us to recognize this, that no matter where you stand on spiritual gifts, each person, each Christian has been given a spiritual gift. And the spiritual gifts are given by God to his followers for two main reasons that we can see in the scriptures. And the first reason that we see God giving gifts to people is God gave gifts to his people to validate the message they were speaking. God gave gifts to his people to validate the message they were speaking. And this is a more contextual reason uh, for the giving of gifts, and it was really prevalent in the early church. Around the New Testament time, like the book of Acts, the Christians would come into a town proclaiming the gospel, saying, Jesus Christ is Lord, he's the only way to salvation, he has died and rose again, and salvation is only through him. And then Either before or after that message has been spoken, a spiritual gift would be performed most often in the form of healing or prophecy or tongues. A miracle would take place, and the reason all of this would happen would be so that the watchers and the listeners of this message, the Gentiles and the Jews, could see this miracle happening and go, surely this message is from God. And the second reason why God gives gifts to his people, and it's the main reason why God gives us gifts today, it's the last four words of verse seven. God gives us gifts today for the common good. For the common good. God gives his people different gifts, different talents, different measures of faith, all for this reason, the common good of the church and the strengthening of your brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you to understand, he doesn't gift people so that they can become the center of attention. He doesn't gift people so that they can be noticed for their gifts. He doesn't gift people so that they can be made much of. The gifts are not given for us to keep. Rather, God gives his people spiritual gifts so that they can turn around and give those spiritual gifts back to the church, back to God, and back to God's people. John Piper has a quote that says, the gifts were given to be given. The gifts were given to us to be given to others. And the Christian life in its entirety is sacrifice. The Christian life is sacrifice in the same way that God gives us life 
and then we turn around and lay down our lives for him. He gives us finances. We turn around, we lay down our finances for him. He gives us relationships. We lay down our relationships for him, and we say, you are the Lord. You are the sovereign God. You are in control of these things, so take them and use them for your glory, for your fame, for your renown in the same way. God gives us gifts for us to turn around and lay them down for him and say, use my gift for your glory, for the common good of the church and to strengthen my brothers and sisters in faith. God has given us the gifts of the Spirit so we can strengthen one another in this walk through life together. And so I want to be clear, spiritual gifts aren't just like superpowers, they're not supposed to just be like for our own benefit, they are simply put, in the simplest way I can say it, spiritual gifts are things that God has given us, if you are a Christian, things God has given us that we are extra good at so that we can use that thing to serve the church and help grow our brothers and sisters in their faith. And so Paul lays out, in the next couple verses, he lays out these gifts. And this isn't an exhaustive list. This is not a list of all the spiritual gifts we see in the Bible. In fact, this is one of the quickest explanations of spiritual gifts that we see. He doesn't even bother explaining each one because for the Corinthians, they would have known. This was a very common thing for them and it would have been a well-known thing. But because he doesn't go into extreme detail on what each gift here is and what each gift here accomplishes, there's some vagueness and some disagreement among theologians and scholars on what some of these gifts accomplish. And other passages, like I said in scripture, they explain the gifts in their entirety better. Uh, So if you were hoping for a super in-depth dive on every single spiritual gift, this text doesn't do that, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, We have an equip class starting next Sunday that is specifically about spiritual gifts if you'd like to learn more. But today's text is about spiritual gifts and then he transitions from spiritual gifts into something else. But these are the gifts that Paul lays out. Verse eight says, to one is given a message of wisdom through the spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same spirit. Now many theologians think that these two verses are talking about one spiritual gift, which would be the gift of teaching. But like I said, because there's no explanation, like any commentary you read on this chapter is going to be like, this is what we think it is, but we're not sure. You know when you like give advice to somebody and you have to be like, but I don't know though at the end, so that like you don't ruin their life if they take your advice. The theologians are kind of like, hey, this is what we think, but like it's kind of vague. We don't really know. Uh, Verse 9 says this, to another, faith by the same spirit. This gift is an interesting one because it's not as simple as just saving faith. Saving faith is not a spiritual gift. Uh, theologians think this is a supernatural faith, uh, like we see in scripture when it talks about a faith that can move mountains. This is the type of faith uh, that the theologians think that this is. Uh, and then it says, to another, gifts of healing by one spirit. And now this is, where, this is where it gets interesting. This is the gift where someone can supernaturally lay hands on someone else who is sick or injured and heal whatever the ailment is. Then in verse 10, it says, to another, the performing of miracles. This one's really vague. They, all it says, basically all people kind of say about this is it means someone has miraculous power. Uh, to another, prophecy. Prophecy is a gift of being able to speak in utterance of God's word 
with no preparation or forethought. To another, the distinguishing of spirits. This is the gift of discernment, being able to know what's true and what isn't. To another, different kinds of tongues. This would be the ability to speak in your language and have someone else hear it in their language, like we see in Acts chapter one, or this could be speaking in a language that is understood only by God, like we see in 1 Corinthians 14, two. And then finally, it says to another, the interpretation of tongues. And this would be the ability to interpret or understand the tongues that are being spoken, like we referenced in the previous verse. And finally, he closes with verse 11. And this is the main thrust of this passage. One and the same spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. So no matter the gift these people have, the spirit of God gives everyone their unique gifts that gives them diversity. So God gives us the gifts and he gives us diverse gifts, but he brings us back to unity because all of the gifts, though they're different in appearance, are identical in purpose. Though the gifts are different in appearance, different in application, they're identical in purpose. And that purpose is the building up of the body of believers. Now, there are two predominant thoughts in Christianity about spiritual gifts and their uses today. You'd be hard pressed to find any Christian who thinks that all of the gifts have ceased. Most people agree that most of the gifts still exist today and are fully active. However, there is debate around the existence of the sign gifts, all right? So there's regular gifts and then there's the sign gifts. And there's debate on these gifts. And the sign gifts are things like tongues or things like healing or things like interpretation. And these are the two main views. I just wanna be very clear and very honest with you because this is a real thing that's going on in uh, in Christianity. And so the views... Uh, that the gifts, but particularly the sign gifts, are still around is called continuationism. This is the view that the gifts, but particularly the sign gifts, are still around. And then the view that particularly the sign gifts are not around anymore is called cessationism. So you got continuationism, believes in all of the gifts. Cessationism believes most of the gifts except for the sign gifts. And continuationists would say that all of the gifts haven't stopped in any way and they are still today exactly the same as they were in the time of the apostles, where individuals have the gift of healing or tongues or prophecy and they can use that gift at will. The other view on this is cessationism, which would say that the sign gifts, like prophecy, healing, tongues, that those have stopped and that the Bible now doesn't need a miracle to validate its message anymore. However, a common misconception about cessationism is that people think cessationists don't believe in miracles at all. Now, I'm gonna let you behind the curtain here. I personally say I lean closer to cessationism in this camp. And I wanna clarify, cessationism does not mean that I believe that miracles do not happen. I absolutely believe I could pray for someone who is sick. I could put my hands on someone who is sick and pray for them and they could get healed and it would be a miraculous act of God for that person to be healed and I don't have the gift of healing. I just wanna be very transparent but the reality is where you land currently on this issue of spiritual gifts is not my biggest concern for us as we read this. 
Where you land, cessationism, continuationism, that does not matter. In fact, that is a secondary issue for me when it comes to just regular Christian life, but specifically this text, because the original readers of this letter, they existed when spiritual gifts were more prevalent and the sign gifts were active and were everywhere. And the context of the rest of this letter is in light of those gifts and how they were dispersed among the people. But the argument of are spiritual gifts around today, you know, are the sign gifts still around, that's not the point here. In fact, the bigger issue and the main reason that I think Paul is writing this passage is for the sake of unity. It's for the sake of unity. The argument over spiritual gifts has been one of the biggest church-splitting issues in history. It has divided entire denominations of brothers and sisters in Christ. And the craziest thing is that this passage in its entirety has 34 verses in it. The first 11 verses are about spiritual gifts and the last 23 are about unity. It really makes me think we've missed what God is trying to say to us in this passage. Verse 12 says this, for just as the body is one, and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. The main context of this passage is around spiritual gifts and how people in this time are getting jealous or upset and they felt like God wasn't blessing them the same way he was blessing others based on the gifts that they had. And this was causing division, this was causing stirrups, because not only were people feeling left out for not having one of the, the cool gifts or one of the sign gifts like healing or tongues, but the people who had those gifts were pridefully looking down on the others as if they were lesser. And so Paul's writing this all to say, he wants to call out the prideful to say, humble yourself. Every ounce of gifting that you have comes from God and should rightly go back to God in service to him and in the building up of others. And then Paul is encouraging the lowly and the downtrodden to say to them, God gave you your gift just as he gave everyone else their gifts. And your gift is not of lesser value or of worth or of use to the kingdom of God. In verse 15, he says this, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, look at this, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. There is not a single spiritual gift that is out of place in the entirety of God's people. There is not a single person that God has given less to or given more to or has held out on all of us, if you are in Christ, you have a spiritual gift and your spiritual gift is not an accident. Verse 19 says, if they were all the same part, where would the body be? 
As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head say to the feet, I don't need you. Paul draws out this entire analogy about this body that's working together, many parts but one, and he wants to show it from every angle, every avenue, every vantage point, so that every person in God's church would be reminded that God knows his children, and they all have a place at his table. They all are invited to and are able to serve his church in a way that brings glory to him. And I don't want us to miss this. I don't want us to miss that this is what this passage is here for. And to put it practically, this is what it looks like. I have a spiritual gift that, Lord willing, will help many of you deepen your love for Jesus. And all of you have spiritual gifts that, Lord willing, will help me deepen my love for Jesus. And if we just do that, if we just seek every day to deepen one another's faith in Christ, through the application of our gifts, we will be like little coals that are fueling the massive fire of gospel hope and joy in Tallahassee that is, the Spirit is stoking in our church. If we just seek to deepen one another's faith, that's why we have spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are given by the Spirit for the building up of believers, for the common good of the church. Spiritual gifts are given by the Spirit for the building up of believers, for the common good of the church. And this isn't a thing that we should grow jealous of or discontent in because we first must come to the conclusion that like God doesn't need any of us I think there's this beautiful dance that exists as children of God commissioned to serve his church where we live as people who are valuable, important, needed for the body of Christ. The body of Christ cannot function if we do not do our due diligence and the church will not go forward and yet we are small and significant and futile compared to God. The scriptures talk about how the nations are a drop in a bucket compared to God. All of the nations are a single drop, and yet God knows the number of hairs on your head. We're needed for the body to function, yet we're only here because we've been invited and been given a gift. So be encouraged if you feel like you have nothing to offer. If you feel like you have nothing that you can bring to the table, let me ask you, do you have a mouth? Can you encourage? Can you call out? Can you rebuke? Can you edify? Can you uplift? You have something to offer. Do you have hands and feet? If you do, do you have the ability to serve? You have something to offer. Do you have a brain? Can you think? Can you read God's word and tell somebody what you think of God's word? You have something to offer. And I want us to hear God wants you to worry way less about what spiritual gift you have, which one is uniquely yours, and he would much rather you get into the mud with your brothers and sisters in life and seek to build them up wherever you can to help increase their love for Jesus, and in doing that, you will find where you are gifted, and you will find where your spiritual gift is. So be encouraged that God has made a place in this body just for 
you. The God who spoke in the cosmos came into existence also individually gave you, if you are in Christ, your spiritual gift. And then look at this. We're going to skip a little bit down here. We're going to go to verse uh, uh, 24. So 24 says, which are respectable parts do not need. It says this. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable. Verse 25, so that there would be, look at this right here, no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So that if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, we are one body. If all members are honored, if one member is honored, then all members rejoice with it. We are one body with many members. That means, City Church, that we rise and we fall together. If one member of our body suffers, we all suffer. If one member of our body is honored, we are all honored. That means we need to be pulling in the same direction. And that means that if even one of us is not pulling in the same direction, then we suffer. And this is crucially important for Paul because he's trying to hammer home this idea for us that though we have different gifts, we've all been called to the same purpose, which is the building up of the church. And if we're letting things, whether it be gifts or theology or ecclesiology or eschatology, become wedges in relationships, it's okay to disagree on these things in a healthy way, but when they begin to become wedges, in relationship, in unity, in joy among our brothers and sisters, in our efforts to build one another up, if we're letting things like spiritual gifts or theology stand in between those things, we're failing to be the church because where division exists, God's glory is being missed. Where division exists, God's glory is being missed. And God didn't give the Corinthians these amazing and remarkable gifts for them to divide themselves into different classes of the useful gifts and the not useful, or the sign gifts versus the non-sign gifts, or the powerful versus the weak. God gave us the gifts for the common good of the church, for us to serve her to fuel our efforts to reach the lost, disciple the found for our joy, for our good, and ultimately for God's glory. And church, the worst thing we could do, the worst thing we could do with this text is become experts on one of those two conclusions. Learn everything there is to know about cessationism or continuationism. Figure out what your gift is. Study all the ins and outs of your gift and yet never actually serve the church. Never actually serve your, your brothers and sisters with your gift because here's the thing. Jesus knows that following him is a narrow exhausting, dangerous, and long road that we walk. Jesus knows the troubles of carrying a cross. He knows the weight of persecution from the unrighteous, and he knows the pain of division among his brothers. So God has given his people a remedy and a treasure to carry us through this tough Christian life, and that is in the gifts that he gives us through the Spirit. So as brothers and sisters, we must love one another in Christ. 
no matter what the differences are. Dean says it all the time, you have more in common with the Christian on a remote island somewhere in the Indian Ocean than you do with your neighbor who votes like you, roots for the Braves, and drives a Tacoma. You have more in common with the Christian in a foreign country that doesn't speak the same language as you than you do with your neighbor who your kids go to the same school, you both vote the same, like, like the common ground of Christ is greater than any other common ground. It is stronger than any other bond in our lives and it eliminates the differences between people. The ground is level at the foot of the cross and all of us, no matter our gifting or our stance on spiritual gifts, are equally saved by Christ which means that we are brothers and sisters and we are all experiencing the same troubles and trials and persecution, so we must love one another and seek to help our brothers and sisters abound in their faith through the application of our gifts and that consists of more than just tolerating fellow Christians. That means seeking to serve, build up, sacrifice for others daily at the expense of your time your effort, your resources. That means doing life with, getting involved with, building relationships with the Christians around you. And if you think your gift isn't valuable or isn't useful or isn't helpful, you need to reevaluate why you have it. Because someone in our church needs it. Someone in our church needs it. God doesn't do anything for no reason. He gave us gifts for us to use them. And when we do, the joy of this community of believers will increase. And finally, he goes into a list from verses 27 to 31 on all the different ways that God's ordained and appointed the church based on their gifts. But I just want to highlight verse 31. It says, but desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. I don't want to dip too much into next week because we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians 13 next week, but next week Paul's gonna show us a better way, the greatest gift, the greater gift than all of these, which is love. Look what John 13, 35 says. It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How are they gonna know? Here it is, if you love one another. We are called to use our gifts that have been given to us by the Spirit to build up the body but that shouldn't even be the main reason we do it. We should do it because it makes Christ look beautiful to the outside world. When the world looks in and sees the way that we love one another and serve one another, they go, I want some of that. I want whatever they've got. This world is dying for people to be set apart and be different. And there is not a way that we as a body of believers can stand out like lights in a dark world than by how we love one another. The way we love one another and serve one another and sacrifice one another is foreign in this self-obsessed, self-absorbed, me-centered world that we live in right now. And in a world where everyone is rapidly being marked and sorted by what divides them, let's as Christians be marked by what brings us together, the one thing that makes us one, the thing that unites Jew and Greek, slave and free, cessationist, continuationist. It's the hope that we all share, which is Jesus Christ 
crucified for our salvation. Let's aim to have unity in the spirit among the different gifts for the sake of the gospel going out, our community being strengthened, our hearts being full, and our faith being rock solid. So don't sweat, I don't want you to sweat, what gift do I have, what gift do I not have? I want you to look around to the people in your life that God has put there and consider, how can I help them love Jesus more? How can I help them abound in their faith? And I want you to do it every chance you get. And guess what? You will soon find your gifting. You will soon find what God has called you to, and you will soon discover the great, great, great joy of Christian community. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this church, Lord, and that you knew that our, our walk is not easy. You knew that our walk is not, uh, is not meant to be done alone. You know, Lord, that our walk is stressful and long and it's dangerous. And you know that because you walked it when you were here on earth. Jesus, you know our struggles, you know our pains, and you've given us your bride, you've given us one another to be strengthened and encouraged, Lord, by the gifts that you've given us. So I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't leave here feeling discouraged that we don't know what our gift is or that we haven't used it. I pray, Lord, we just turn around and just go, I'm just gonna start doing it. I'm just gonna start using my gift. I'm just gonna start looking around and seeing where I can help uplift my brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray you'd fuel us to do that and you would reward us with the joy of being your people, of being in this community in Tallahassee, with the common ground that brings everyone together to the same level, which is the common ground of Christ, who died in our place to save us. So Lord, I pray we'd be encouraged to go and love our Christian brothers and sisters and help them to see your face even more. It's in your name we pray, amen.